Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place Tampa. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear, and we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org. This morning, I'm glad it started that way because just to give you a heads up, probably going to cry a few times today. Um, the word that God has given me is called a uh, breaking point. And my, my whole purpose for everything that I'm about to say, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm going to let you guys into my life. I'm going, I'm going to be very vulnerable and open with some things that some, some personal and some tragedy, some things that have happened in my life that have brought me and members of my family to a breaking point. My hope is that in all of this, that I will be able to help, help you get a better understanding of what a breaking point in your own life is, how to prevent it, and hopefully encourage you on how to help others prevent reaching the breaking point in their lives. Uh, when I Googled, uh, I Googled the definition of, of breaking point, it says the moment of greatest strain to which someone or something gives way. It is, it is that moment that all the tension, all the hurt, all the strain has built up so much that it finally snaps. It finally gives way. It finally overflows. Um, that's not, a breaking point is not an immediate thing. It didn't say that a breaking point is, is the first contact of pain or the first initiation of pain. Or, it's, it was, it's the greatest strain, the greatest moment of strain. That's the breaking point. This whole sermon was, was uh, brought on by, it has been the best and sometimes the worst uh, tool or thing that I have. Uh, I love uh, on Facebook, how they have the Facebook memories, and I have an app, you know, Time Hop. It says, you know, two years ago, this is what happened. You know, three years ago, it brings up pictures of on this day, three years ago as well, on this day, 12 years ago. And, and it's, it's nice sometimes to see, you know, the journey and to see the things where I've been. The unfortunate part about that is it also can bring on some pain. Um, honestly, just even in the church world, like me and Gigi, we've been in ministry together our entire marriage. Uh, we're 20 years this September, and through that, yeah, I know, she's had all this for 20 years, all this. Uh, <laughs> that's my mom also right there. Probably shouldn't have said that. Uh, this is my mom, everybody. Teresa, she's visiting. She's had all this for 38 years. Uh, anyways, um, what was I even talking about? Um, oh, so in ministry, one of the unfortunate parts of, uh, you know, being able to see what happened a year ago, two years ago, 10 years ago, is you also see the people that have come in and out of your life. You see the people that, you know, and let's just be real, there's relationships that didn't end well. There, there's times when I see a picture of such extreme joy and unity from 10 years ago, 
And I'm like, that was such an, and I remember, like, I, one of my favorite things to do, I mean, I love to reminisce. I have, I have boxes of stuff from my childhood and everything, and I pull them out every once in a while just so I can remember back to when I used to play Pogs in fifth grade. And, and just, like, I, I, love to, I love to think about the good old days. The problem with some of these pictures is I know that either one that didn't last long or that that relationship is not in my life anymore because I look at it now, I'm like, yes, that was great 10 years ago, but now it's brought up a little bit of pain and maybe a little bit of trauma of thinking of how that actually ended. And it's unfortunate. It happens. I'm sure, I doubt that there's a single person in here that has kept every single relationship that they've ever had and that they're all just perfectly fine. At, at, at one point in your life, a relationship, at least one, at least one has probably ended not the way you wanted it to. And when I was looking through this picture, this was maybe a few weeks ago, one, uh, one came up of my brother. So my brother, Keith, he was a, a year older than me, and we grew up together. He was my stepbrother. Uh, his, uh, my mom, his dad, they got married when I was in third grade, been in my life. I mean, we had a good relationship. Uh, I wouldn't, honestly wouldn't say it was a great relationship, but we did a lot of, you know, we did a lot of fun things together. Um, one just quick story. Uh, for those of you who are familiar with Saved by the Bell, the original, <laughs> Zach and Slater, me, me and my brother, we were, watching, we were watching Saved by the Bell one day, and it was the episode where Zach and Slater would sit at the bottom of the hall, bottom of the stairs, and they were betting, betting personal items and stuff for what girl would come down next. Was it a blonde? Was, was it a brunette? You know, was, was she wearing jeans or whatever? And they kept betting it. Me and my brother, fourth and fifth grade, were like, let's do that tomorrow at school. <laughs> and so we went to school. We got there early, sat in the hallway by one of the main doors, and we started just betting different things. And, I mean, he bet me, like, a baseball hat. You know, we had cards and pogs and all different things we would say. And I lost one of my prized possessions to my brother. We were going back and forth. You know, I'd win some, he'd win some. And I had this hockey puck that I'd, got, that I'd gotten at a, a Mesquite and Fury hockey game. It's like a triple-A hockey game there. And I was so happy because I wanted one every time we went. Never got one. And the guy finally you know, slammed down the glass like, this is for you. And he threw it up. And I was so happy. And I bet my brother because I was on a streak. I, was, I knew every girl. that Like, I don't know how. I just... I was doing really well, and I bet him, I was like, I'll bet my hockey puck. And sure enough, my brother got it dead on. This, I don't, it's like some blonde girl with blue jeans and a jacket, whatever. Came in, and I was like, I quit. I'm done. I don't want to play. I don't want to lose anymore. And, and it was just, that was, that was a fun time with my brother. Uh, we did a lot of things. We built forts in the woods. Uh, we would catch salmon in the creek. Uh, with our bare hands just in the backyard. Um, but unfortunately, my brother hit his breaking point uh, about four or five years ago. 
um, he, he ended up taking his own life. Uh, he ended up jumping off a bridge in California. And see, my, my, my tattoo, Jamil, you can put the picture up. This is my only tattoo I have right now. Honestly, I hope to get some more. But this tattoo is a, is a daily reminder of, of my brother and for me not to hit my breaking point. So it says, uh, you can't really see it, but it's Numbers, N-U-M, 2417. Uh, numbers 2417 is I see him but not now, I behold him but not near. 24 was my brother's football jersey, 17 was his baseball jersey, and brown and gold were our school colors. Uh, we, were, we were the Zealand chicks, like baby chicks, like little chicks, but not like a baby chick, like he was jacked, like yeah, six pack, and like the chick, I, for real, he was a tough chick. Um, and those, those, were our, those were our school colors, and then the, the Hebron there, that's uh, Hai for living, um, I think I'm saying that right, and this is my reminder I look at this all the time when I'm having bad days, when I'm having whatever, and, and it, it helps me to know because, see, my brother's breaking point was so incredibly off the wall. He was the happiest guy I knew. He was, without a doubt, people that worked with him. He lived in California. Him and his wife moved to California from Michigan. He lived on the beach. He surfed almost every day. He was, you know, in his 30s, no kids, him and his wife, a dog, cut, like, I mean, he, like, he was in good physical condition, like, nothing that really that you would think he could complain about. And even everybody at his job, when they found out, they said their, the favorite thing about working with Keith, even working at that company, was the hugs that he would give every day when they got to work. I don't know where you work at. I never really hugged anybody where I worked. Definitely not affectionately enough to where that would be the best part of their day. And multiple people said how much they loved, like, Keith's bear hug that he would give you. And, I mean, it was just... It was so unbelievable that he hit that, that, like, I honestly, for, for a quick minute, I was like, there's no way. Like, he was murdered. He had to have been murdered. Because there's no way that my brother would have done that. Now, my brother did disconnect from our family for a few years. He just, and it wasn't for any bad reason that we knew of, other than he just, at one point, him and his wife decided that he wasn't going to have any more communication with us. And so even though I knew my brother growing up, there was a good almost 10 years that I'd, I'd see Facebook stuff about him. Every once in a great while, I'd hear from him on the phone. And he was always happy. Everything's good. And we never really had a reason of why. Why did he disconnect from us? My brother's breaking point was not, his breaking point was the day that he took his own life. But what led up to that, I am convinced, whatever leads up to a breaking point in somebody's life, 
it, it didn't happen that week. It didn't, it didn't just all of a sudden one day just be like, you know what? I'm done. This was a bad day, so I'm out. It's, it's built up over time. And God gave me, God gave me this visual that I want to share with you guys. Because like I said, I'm hoping, praying that I can help you to recognize breaking points and that I can help you to even maybe help somebody else. I wish my brother would have called me. I've carried around the guilt for a long time as I wish I would have called him. There's so many people, so many traumatic things that happen that I'm like, who was in your life to pull you out of this? Who was there to help you when you were hurting so badly? Like, how did you get to this point? To me, a breaking point, this is my definition of a breaking point. A breaking point is a combination of undealt with pain and trauma plus the pressure of everyday life. These, this is undealt with, this represents undealt with pain and trauma in your life, in anybody's life. See, now what happens is when you get so much undealt with pain and trauma and you couple that with just normal everyday life junk that happens, you start to lose your margin. You start to lose that gap that you have to handle everyday life and you don't really know why. So let's, let's put a name to some of these. So, because this stuff, this goes back to childhood, guys. Like, I know this is mostly adults here. I, I think about the little ones that are over there and why we need to get a handle on this because these things that have been in our lives for years, they're going through it right now because a lot of us did not deal with these things that happened to us when we were little. So we want to talk about generational curses. Like, let's break that. So let's, let's put some names to these. And like I said, this is going to be for me personally. I'm sure you can think of your own. So let's say... One of the early ones that I remember, and there's levels of healing with this. Like even though some of these might make me cry, and even though some of them hurt, the ones that I'm talking to you about right now, I'm sure I even have some undealt with pain that I, I don't even know about yet. Because God will never put more on us than we can bear, and he knows when you're ready to deal with these things. But the ones that I'm able to talk about, they don't control me anymore. They don't hurt me in a way that are causing me to hurt other people. And that's really what this is about, to hurt myself and to hurt other people. So, you know, when I was in maybe second grade, this was before, before my wonderful mother, who has done an incredible job of raising me. But she was a single mom, and before she knew the Lord, you know, she had... She had a boyfriend that didn't have a problem with slamming me against the wall. 
for something as simple as just going through the sprinkler outside. So there was a time in my life where that was undealt with pain and trauma. I remember at a certain point in my life, in seventh grade, uh, all the teachers pulling my mom into a room, telling her how terrible of a kid I am, telling them how stupid I am, telling them that I've got ADD, ADHD, and all the stuff, and I need medicine, and that I, will, I am a waste of time, and that she needs to do a better job of raising me. That was seventh grade. That one hurt pretty bad. This one, this is the vague one. This one's difficult. This one is one I think that a lot of people deal with. This is the just, I'm not good enough. I'm not worth it. I'm not good enough to be a parent. I'm not good enough to be a spouse. I'm not good enough to be a preacher. I'm just, I'm not as good as the other people around me that could do it, whatever. And, and what's so difficult about this one is, is its vagueness. What does that really mean that you're not good enough? Like, how are we actually quantifying that? Like, like where's the list of everything that it takes to make you good enough to accomplish something? Is to me, it's a real short list. It, it had three points on it. One in each hand and one in his feet. And those three things said that you are absolutely good enough to do anything that God has called you to do. Each one of those points proves every day what God thinks about you. But this is the one that I think so many of us on a, on a daily, weekly basis deal with of just, I'm not good enough. So remember, a breaking point is a combination of undealt with pain and trauma plus the pressures of daily life. And daily life is just... You know, I told, I told the youth this a while back, and they looked at me cross-eyed. I told them, I was like, life is life for the rest of your life. It's deep, I know. It's so profound. And, I, and then they, they looked at me like, what? And I told them, I said, the things that make up your life, the good, the bad, the, the, the pain, the joy, all these things, like, that's, that's just life. Life is up and down. Life, life is, what we're doing is trying to figure out how to manage the margin, how to manage, how to use all the tools that God has given us to be able to navigate life and all its ups and downs. Because the reality of it is, and I, I feel like I say this a lot, and I don't know why, because, I mean, the enemy sucks, but I don't deny that his job is to destroy us. He lives to steal, kill, and destroy. And he'll be tricky about it. Like, in, like, I mean, back to Adam and Eve. He came in, he told him, he was like, 
don't want you to eat the apple because then you'll be like God. Like, he starts with truth. The enemy, when he comes into your life, he's not just punching you square in the nose right off the bat. He, want, he wants you to be on the same page. He will come at you with truth. And then when you're in agreement with that, then he'll come in to manipulate that. He'll give you the, the, the perversion of that truth. Surely you won't die. No, that's true. They did not die. They were cast out of the garden. Like, it, it, it wasn't the perfect plan that God had for them. And the enemy, when he, when he comes, and he is relentless and he won't stop. So for the life is going to be life for the rest of your life. Like until we are in glory, like the enemy, he, he wants you to fail and he'll play the long game. He'll stick these things in from when you are a child and then let it sit there for years, not bothering you, not bugging you, not doing anything until when you're actually old enough to make some decisions that can hurt some people for real, that can hurt yourself for real. That can hurt your family and generations to come. And then he starts manipulating it. And then say, no, don't, don't fix that. That's how you've always been. What's the problem? You've, been, you've, you've had this for years. It's not a big deal. And then the problem is that we start adding just the normal everyday life. Just the stresses, you know, things of life. Uh, uh, you know, going to work, dealing with, with bosses, dealing with kids and, and, you know, husbands that won't do the dishes and not Gigi's husband, but, you know, just dealing with, with, with things that we're all going to go through. We're all going to go, we're all going to lose a job at some point. We're all going to, our car is going to break down. We're going to go and be in such a rush, and there's only going to be one lane open at Walmart. Like, it's just, life is just going to happen. See, we need to learn to manage our, our margins, and what is taking up so much room is these undealt with pain and trauma. So then, okay, here, here's where we're at. We have all this undealt with things, and, and we're you know, had a rough week, little tired, little, you know, finances aren't coming in the way we, we wanted to. Maybe one of your, your kids, you know, broke something at the house. You know, all of a sudden, we get right up to this point to where we've lost all our margin. And we think, I'm going to church, I'm reading my Bible, I'm doing all these things, but it just keeps filling right back up. I'm telling you, because there is things that you have not dealt with yet. There is things that are taking up way more space and real estate in your heart than they need to be. Because then it's the really simple, you know, somebody didn't say hi to me at church today. Now you've hit your breaking point. That really shouldn't be a good reason to hit your breaking point. You know, my car broke gas. 
went up again. Now you've hit a breaking point. You know, let's say some bad things do happen. You know, I lost my job. Hit your breaking point. Like, it, it shouldn't be the little things of everyday life should not push you to your breaking point. Because if you're sitting here and you've lost your margin, God forbid. I was in my early 30s when my brother took his life. When things, when whatever happened to him that pushed him over the edge like that, he was in his 30s. God forbid that you're here and then something really bad happens. What, you, you have no room. You have no margin left. That thing, you are going to explode on people. You are going to explode on somebody. You are going to hurt yourself and so many people around you. So how do we deal with this? See, and God gave me a, a picture of this because when I looked at this, I felt a little convicted too because I was like, we're in the church and we're this. And like, my cup runneth over. Goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life. I'm like, maybe this is a bad analogy. And God reminded me that the enemy who cannot create has a perversion of every pure version. Your cup is meant to run over. The, the things that you are filled with are meant to spill over onto everybody else. But if you've got this much junk in your life, this much undealt with pain and trauma, the things that are going to spill out might be a little good, but then they're going to be a little bad also. It's going to be pain that comes out with that. The lessons, a lot of the life lessons that you teach people are not going to be birthed from the Holy Spirit. They're going to be birthed out of your pain, your undealt with pain and trauma, and then you're going to teach people how to treat the people the same way of the ones that you treated, the ones that hurt you. That's not okay. That's not a legacy to pass on. So how do we deal with this? In Proverbs eleven fourteen, it says, where there is no guidance, a people fall. But in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. In an abundance of counselors. Not your one friend that you complain to. Not that one person that will agree with everything you say and you've never done anything wrong. But in an abundance of counselors, they're going to counsel you on how to take your situation and say, how do we make it better? How do we win? How do we get victory out of this? Matthew 7, 7 through 8 says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. You guys, this tells me that you need, there, there comes a point where you have to make a conscious effort to go and say, I want to get rid of this. My everyday life is so much, is so hard, is always pushing me over the edge that that's, that is not the life that God created for you. He did not create you in, in his image for you to hate your life. He created you in his image to thrive. He created you in his image for peace, for joy, to share the love of God. And you can't do that when every time the littlest thing happens, you, you've hit your limit. 
Every time the littlest pain happens, you hit your limit. I'm, man, I'm sorry, but it is. We, we have, we kind of have a crybaby generation going on right now. Because everybody's hurt. And you know what? And that hurts me because I know that the real reason we have that is because we have a whole generation that never dealt with this stuff. We have a whole generation that never dealt with the pain that was put in there that we just figured out really good coping mechanism. We just figured out how to bypass it. We figured out how if this church is hurting me, then I'll go to the next one. And that if this job doesn't work out because I don't like the boss, then I'll find a new one. If this spouse doesn't work out because they don't give me what I want, that's fine. Somebody else will. Those people really weren't your problem. The problem is you had no more margin to deal with things that you don't want because of this pain that you've had for years. So here's some practical, what I think are practical solutions to this and how to recognize and prevent breaking points. If daily life is causing you too much stress and anxiety that you constantly are at your wit's end, that you, then, then you've lost your margin. You, you've lost your margin. If, if, if daily life, if your job, your kids, your spouse, if, if your friends, if you're at your wit's end with all that on a daily basis, you've lost your margin. You need to, you need to take, get, take immediate action to find out how to heal these, these, these unchecked uh, pain and trauma. If you, need a day off, if you need a day off so that way you won't explode on people, you, you've hit your limit. A day off, a Sabbath, should be a gift. It should be something that is a treat for you to do. And I can tell you that, honestly, I, I've had a hard time Sabbathing lately. because it's, it's, it's tricky. I'm like, God, but I'm doing the work for you. I'm doing work for your kingdom. But me and Gigi will still take phone calls on Monday. We'll still take, you know, we'll do things. And, and there is emergencies, and that's fine. But then there's times that we realize that in that Sabbath, I, I'll turn the TV on to drown everything out, not even enjoying what I'm watching. I'm doing it because I'm, almost scared to look at my real life in that moment. I've, you've, hit, you've, hit your, you've hit your limit there. Enjoy. Don't use these things to escape the real world. Enjoy what you do in your time off. If you're not enjoying your time off, if you're not enjoying the task, the things that you're doing, then you are doing it from a place of trying to escape, and it's because there's too much pain in reality in real life and you're not actually enjoying the rest that God has given you. So here's, one of the, here's, here's what I need you guys to do. To me, one of the best ways to combat this and to help bring healing to this is regular fruit checks. You need somebody, every single person in here, there is no exception. I don't care how good you think your life is. Every single person in here needs somebody, needs a multitude of counsel that you can go. And to me, there's, there's three really easy ways to do this. Get somebody that you can be vulnerable with, somebody that is, always, that is going to lift you up, 
somebody that will speak truth into you, biblical truth into you, and you give them access to your health, wealth, and family. Those three things, those are great windows into what the root issue is. How's your health doing? What, you know, are you eating properly? Are you sleeping enough? Are you working out? Your, 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 the physical state of your body has a lot to do with your mental capacity and how you can deal with mentally with life coming at you. And if you're not doing anything to take care of your body, then, then you, your mind is going to follow suit. It's going to be really hard for you. And so now, okay, well, what's that root issue? Why don't you care about you? Why don't you care about you enough to feed yourself good foods? To, to uh, you know, to work out even once, to, to go for a walk. A lot of times that root issue is, well, you know, some people it's as simple as, you know, I was told I was ugly when I was little. I was told I'll always be fat. I was made fun of by my, growing up, I was made fun of so much by my uncles and my cousins. They, even in church, my nickname for a little while in church, because I used to play softball, they called me Chubby Bunny, because they couldn't understand how I could be chubby and run as fast as I did. And it was funny, but those things hurt. And, the, and these are things that, you know, why am I going to work out? I'm the chubby bunny. Whatever. You know, this gives you a window into somebody's life that you wouldn't know that story if we weren't talking about my health. The things that, that this will let you into, you know, people's finances, their family, their, their relationship with their husband, their wife, with their kids, with their parents, like all these things give you a window into their life to say, okay, Holy Spirit, now show me what the real root issue is. Because when you do that, and you find something, and it may be a process, but when you start figuring out, you know what? Remember what this one was? This was my seventh grade teachers. I just went back to Michigan, and I actually went into my school, and I had them give me a tour of it, of where I went into, in seventh grade, me and three of my friends. And this teacher was really mean to all of us. We were really mean to him, granted. Like, I wasn't a great kid. I get that. But I walked down the hallway, and nobody would even follow me. They were all too scared to come after me. And I went, and I went uh, to Mr. Gus's room, and I apologized to him. It's not his room anymore. He's not a teacher there anymore. But I apologized, and I asked him to forgive me for what I did to him. You guys, every day I'd shove two pickles up his Mustang GT's exhaust because I did not like this teacher. Mom, that's where some of my lunch money went every day. And he'd park it in the same spot with no pickles, and I'd shove two more in each tailpipe, dual exhaust. I apologized to him. I got healing. I got breakthrough from this. Caleb specifically helped me to get over the pain and the trauma that was caused by, by my mom's boyfriend slamming me into the walls. And I forgave him. 
And it wasn't my fault that I did those things. This one doesn't come back anymore. I have finally realized that I am enough, that I am good enough to stand up here, that I am good enough to be Gigi's husband, that I am a good enough father. I'm always getting better, and I always have things that I can learn, but I have finally realized that those three nails were, were, were all the justification I needed to know that I am good enough. And it has been through a multitude of counselors. Scott Smiley, uh, Caleb, through Len Harper, my wife as the primary one of me being open and vulnerable that I have now gotten rid of so many of these and look at how much margin I have now. This is what I want you to have in your life. This is what I want you to be able to help other people get. God can use me. Do not think that because I have crap in my life, I can't help somebody else uh, get healing. Absolutely not. Look who Jesus used. Look at the disciples. Look at the woman at the well. Look at all these people that Jesus used to change the world. And how much more do we have now? How much more of the Bible do we have? How much technology? We have the Holy Spirit. We have all these things. You guys, we are absolutely good enough to help bring transformation to a, a, a city, to bring transformation to people. Like, I need you guys to do this because I cannot do it all by myself. I will not do it by myself. If you all come to me and want me to be your fruit checker now, like, I will run away. It, that is not even possible. Because this is not about me. It's not about Gigi. This is about us getting healthy and us saying, all right, let's help our brothers. Let's see who is going to let us into their life to be vulnerable and that we are going to, in a healthy way, help them to get rid of this crap. Because it's not just hurting you. It's hurting our kids, and it's hurting our kids' kids. Like, this is stuff that we've got to get rid of this. If I can have the prayer team come up quickly, please. You guys, everybody stand up with me. You do not have to live with this crap in your life. You do not have to live with undealt with pain and trauma. And there may be things that you don't even know are there. That's usually one of the first steps of asking, Holy Spirit, what even is it? And it's people just like this that will stand with you and say, let me ask God. Let me into your life a little bit so I can ask God and the Holy Spirit can reveal to us. Does God want you to have this in your life? Somebody please answer me. No. Okay, I just. It's like, that was a waste of 45 minutes. <laughs> no, God does not want you to have this in your life. He wants to reveal it, and he will reveal it in the right timing to help you to actually get delivered and get this stuff out. But you have to be open, you have to be vulnerable, and you have to, on a regular basis, be talking to somebody that can help you see what this is. And then sometimes the answer is not right away. Sometimes you'll recognize what it is, and then you have to say, okay, what now? That's the best place to be because now you get to ask the Holy Spirit, how do I deal with this? Who do I have to forgive? Who do I have to release? 
And now what are you going to fill me back up so we get the pure version of this filling back up and running over into everybody, into everywhere that we go? Close your eyes. You can pray with me. Father God, I thank you so much, Holy Spirit, for showing. I thank you for showing and revealing to every single person here, to every single person, pain and trauma that has been undealt with in their lives that is blocking or holding up any bit of margin in their life, one to to handle daily life, but also that has been hiding because the enemy just doesn't want us to be whole. I pray, Father God, right now for protection And I thank you for grace over every single person that is about to go on this journey of discovery on how to get healing from root pain and trauma, that it will not bring up more trauma, that it will not bring up more pain, it will not create new pain, Father God, but that through your peace and your joy and your love, Father God, that we will find this, like, it makes God happy for you to get rid of this stuff. So if it is coming up and it is putting you into a worse spot, that is not God. You need to find somebody and say, you know what? I know this is something I need to deal with, but Father God, I want to deal with it the way you did. He already did the painful part on the cross. He already paid the price for it. Now he wants to reveal to you what is going on and how you can get rid of it and be filled with his peace and his joy. God, I thank you for wholeness in this church. I thank you for wholeness in every single one of these people. I thank you, God, for the kids that are next door, Father God, that we are getting whole so that we can show them what what healthy, whole adults look like, what God-fearing adults look like, and that we get to teach them how to deal with pain instead of how to cover pain. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for these words today, God. I just pray that it sits deep in our spirit. Father, thank you for this opportunity and for using me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place Tampa. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear, and we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org.